good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Kathy Kay, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Monday, January 15th, 2018, and we are reading from the big book on page 15 in Bill's story, the very first full paragraph. Today's readers are Mary Jane Z on the 12 Steps, Kathy G. on the 12 Traditions, and reading the text are Kathleen O., Sherry K.B., and Leah S. The reference number for yesterday's special edition on Sunday, January 14th, is 10,918. And the reference number for this morning's 7 a.m. meeting on January 15th is 10,920. OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our, OA, our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group but has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Mary Jane Z to read the 12 steps of OA. Good morning. May I be heard? Yes, you can. This is Mary Jane Z, gratefully recovered in Kentucky. Here are the steps we took which are suggested as a program of recovery. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive eaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Mary Jane Z. And I will now ask Kathy G. to read our 12 traditions of OA. Good morning, Kathy. Good morning, everyone. This is Kathy G., a gratefully recovering compulsive overeater from Illinois. And here's the 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, 
a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our, our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction, Rather than promotion, we need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thanks so much. I pass. Thank you, Kathy G. Our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. B, our, our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass and then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book on page 15, the first full paragraph. And I will ask Kathleen O to get us started. Thank you so much, Kathy. Good morning, everyone. This is Kathleen O, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Northern California. My wife and I abandoned ourselves with enthusiasm to the idea of helping other alcoholics to a solution of their problems. It was fortunate for my old business associates remained skeptical for a year and a half, during which I found little work. I was not too well at the time and was plagued by waves of self-pity and resentment. This sometimes nearly drove me back to drink, but I soon found that when all other measures failed, work with another alcoholic would save the day. Many times I have gone to my old hospital in despair. On talking to a man there, I would be amazingly lifted up and set on my feet. It is a design for living that works in rough going. And again, this is Kathleen O, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. So my wife and I abandoned ourselves with enthusiasm to the idea of helping other alcoholics. And abandon is to give up completely a course of action, a practice, or a way of thinking. So when something isn't working, it's a good idea to abandon it. And it's sort of like a sinking ship, you know. People abandon a sinking ship because it's going to take them down. And they might go for the the lifeboat that's out there. Um, And Bill being so enthusiastic about helping others is what helped keep him sober, especially when he was plagued by waves of self-pity and resentment. And self-pity is, you know, the woe is me thing, expressing how unhappy I am. Um, 
you know, I don't have a, I'm, I'm cold and wet and I don't have enough money for the bus ride home type of thing. And um, so, you know, they're, they're actually, it's been proven and documented that helping others decreases depression and anxiety. And Bill, Bill did suffer from depression. And so there's actually health benefits to helping others. And as Bill helped other alcoholics, you know, we help other people with the problem of compulsive overeating because no one can relate better than one compulsive eater to another compulsive eater. But the person who benefits the most from service is really the one offering it. So working with another compulsive overeater, it reminds me of where I come from. I can easily forget the pain of the disease because I have this built-in forgetter when it comes to addictive foods. But when I'm helping another person who's struggling, it reminds me of the pain. And when I'm reminded of the pain, it's much harder to forget the pain. So I need to not forget the pain, and, and working with other people really helps this. So I am, in essence, you know, benefiting myself. Um, and Bill states that his self-pitying resentment sometimes drove him back to drink, but working with another alcoholic would save the day. And I know resentments and self-pity can drive me to eat because when, I, when resentments crop up, I'll start thinking about food. And, you know, I was lucky to be able to hear uh, Herb Case speak at the birthday party this last weekend. And this is part of step 10, but it also is about 12. Um, he explained that when we have resentments, fear, dishonesty, and selfishness, that we're in our will. And the way to get to God's will is to pray, discuss, amend, and do service. And on page 84, when we resolutely turned our thoughts to someone we can help. So, you know, why is turning my thoughts to someone I can help so important in getting out of resentments and selfishness? It's because I'm thinking of how I can help someone else and then actually be helpful. The miracle is I'm no longer resentful. And so it's exactly as Bill states, when all other measures failed, work with another alcoholic would save the day. And I think, um, you know, so taking action to help others and expecting nothing in return. I think it was Joe and Charlie that said, the work is really, really hard but the pay is really, really good. And with that, I pass. Thank you so much. Thank you, Kathleen O. Hey, who would like to share on what was just read? Ginger C. Kelly S. Kelly Sylvia F. Sherry K. B. Roz G. Leah S. Okay, hold it one second. Um, Leah S. I missed a couple people. I have Ginger C, Sylvia F, Roz G, Leah S. Who did I miss? Sherry KB. Sherry, sorry. Sherry KB. Was there someone else? Gracie. Tracy, what's your last initial? R, and it's Gracie with a G. Oh, thank you, Gracie. Okay, let's stop there. So we'll go in this order. Ginger C, Sylvia F. Roz G, Leah S, Sherry KB, and Gracie R. Please go ahead, Ginger. Hi, good morning, Kathy. Thank you so much for your service. A Ginger C recovered in LA still, but from Colorado. I just love this book, and I love that we get to follow it precisely. You know, we're exactly doing what these words tell us to do a day at a time. And, um, you know, this book tells me that nothing saves the day like working with another and that it is a design for living that works in rough going. But I just really want to drill on this, you know, nothing saves the day. You know, I do all these measures that fail and then work with another alcoholic, again, would save the day. And Unfortunately, I've seen this over and over, especially in another 12-step room, where life presents new information, people go sideways, and the first thing they do is let go of their sponsees because life is too hard and upon them. And, you know, this addiction is just like, yeah, bring it on. Let go of those sponsees because as soon as you start doing that, you're isolating and you're coming right back to me. Because, again, the only defense between me and the elbow that will pick up the cake today is this higher power. And I know I grow with God when I'm working with another. And then the most miracle thing that happens by doing this precisely again is that life can present you this new information and not only do you go through it, you grow through it 
and then you can meet the storm. You know, we meet it calamity with serenity. We have peace of mind. And I have strength. I have strength. Six months after putting the food down and leaving Virginia Beach, God presented me one of the hugest pieces of work that I had to do in my recovery and probably the hardest point of my life. And I am so grateful that I followed these directions precisely because I had the strength and courage to face each and every moment of that experience. And most importantly, I never thought about food one time as any type of solution to go through that pain. But, you know, my sponsor tells me all the time, if you're not in it, it's on its way. He has another word that goes before it, but I'm not going to say it because it's a swear word. But, yeah, the pain is there. Life is the touchstone to pain. That's how we grow. So if you're not in it, this pain period, it's coming. It happens for you. And, again, nothing's going to save your day. By working and staying with another and staying close in this book, that's what gives me my breath to keep breathing so I'm just so grateful, again, that we're following this precisely because it's not about letting go of those sponsees when life gets hard. They're the ones that keep you fit spiritually and on this beam. And I can't afford to fall off the beam because this fight is doing push-ups in the parking lot and is desperate to get back in my mouth. And I just have a daily reprieve, and I'm so grateful to be recovered yet another day with you. And with that, I pass. Thank you very much, uh, Ginger C. Sylvia F., please go ahead. Hi, this is Sylvia F. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in San Francisco Bay. And so happy to be on the line with all you visionaries on uh, this Monday morning with this passage. Uh, so here we have um, Bill W., and he's, he's worked through the steps very quickly and he has been lifted up. He's had this amazing spiritual experience. And they've told him that he has got to work with others in order to keep this. You know, and so many times, uh, you know, we, we identify ourselves as recovered compulsive overeaters, that we have worked the steps and we have had a psychic and spiritual change. And this is such a great reminder for me that this is where Bill was, and it doesn't mean that all of a sudden that um, he's recovered and nothing happens. And, you know, his, his mind is just miraculously healed, and he, his compulsion to drink is miraculously gone, and he's never going to be affected by that again. That's, he's telling us that's not true. He says, I was not too well at the time, and that was certainly physically and um, mentally and he says he was plagued by waves of self-pity and resentment. So this is not someone who, you know, he, he, he has this, you know, massive, quick spiritual transformation. And then he's still Bill W. And he's, life is still happening. And he's still an alcoholic. And it says, this sometimes nearly drove me back to drink. But I soon found that when all other measures failed, work with another alcoholic would save the day. And the message for me that I had to keep on hearing is that when I get, you know, quote, recovered, it doesn't mean that everything is going to be perfect and easy. I'm always going to have neutrality. I mean, life is still going to happen, and I'm still going to have this broken brain, which heals more and more all the time. I have a broken, uh, I had a, a hole in the soul, and that heals more and more all the time, but I'm imperfect, and that's why I get to follow these exact, exact instructions. And for me also, I can work with another compulsive overeater, and it's so easy to find people even in the rooms that want to work and want this message, but I can make a phone call. I can just be present for anyone who hasn't even um, defined themselves yet. So it's very easy if I'm out of myself to turn my attention towards someone else and, and, and have that serenity and peace again. But I have to work to stay there, and it's worth it every day. And with that, I pass. Thank you very much, Sylvia. Um, that was Sylvia F. Roz G., please go ahead. Good morning. <clears throat> uh, vision for you. This is Roz G., um, 
I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Los Angeles County. And on this dream day, um, my some of my dreams have come true when it comes to being um, a person in Overeaters Anonymous. I had a dream that I would have a thin body and uh, that I would have peace of mind and be happy, joyous, and free. And... Um, that those dreams came true, but I, what I learned was was that having a thin body was not uh, the end all. What the end all is is um, living the primary purpose, being of service to God and those about me, and doing it enthusiastically. For which I'd like to focus on that word, um, because um, I could um, approach being of service drudgingly, and there were some times where I did where I made 10-step phone calls because things weren't going my way. At least I, God gave me the strength to make the call. Um, but things weren't going my way. Somebody flipped the script, and, uh, you know, I was pissed off about it. But the person on the other end gave me direction to make a phone call to a newcomer or somebody else and not mention one thing about what I was going through. And although I didn't like it, I did it. And it took me out of my misery for the moment. So doing, practicing that over and over really works. And with another thing about enthusiasm is that at the birthday party, I met uh, a new sponsee uh, that I haven't met face-to-face. I was so enthusiastic about seeing her. I was like, oh, well, let's have dinner. Let's go get dinner. Let's do it. You know. <laughs> and I, I felt as though maybe I came on a bit too strong, but I was so excited to meet someone that um, you know I've been working with over the phone face to face. And so I, I, I was thinking about the reading, and I thought, oh, you know, I was enthusiastic, and I do have enthusiasm. And then just to end my share, um, you know, even though I'm enthusiastic, and even though my dreams, a lot of my dreams have come to pass. There's some things that still bother me. I still drudge something, or I still feel a little sad about, rough about some things. And um, at the dance on Saturday night, I felt a little, I was self-pity was starting to creep on me a little bit, you know, because I would like to have a, a relationship in my life, and I haven't had one for 15 years, and it's been a definitely a time of growth for me, and it's good that God has protected me in that area. Um, and so instead of, you know, lamenting and not, you know, be, feeling sorry for myself, I went straight upstairs to a marathon meeting and I shared not about anything about my feelings, a little bit. But anyway, any, I ended up helping people and, and got asked to speak at a meeting later on next month. On Valentine's Day, I'll be, I'll be being of service on Valentine's Day versus sitting around thinking I don't have a Valentine. So with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Roz G. Leah S., please go ahead. Thank you so much. Ditto, ditto to everyone who has shared. My name is Leah S., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater from Brooklyn, New York, a very grateful one. So um, this is actually a design of continuous growth. And um, what I what I'm I'm supposed to do in this paragraph is to identify where did this happen to me. So I find that if I my sponsor told me that I should set myself uh, goals each day, and I don't have to meet them, but uh, to set something up, uh, in other words, to try to achieve them. And that has helped me very, very much because life is life and challenges will be challenges. And um, it does not mean that people around me or people that are close to me are going to change. It means that I am going to change. Um, so work with another alcoholic. Why is saying work with another alcoholic will save my day? What does work mean? Um, I was told that if you're going to um, 
go into a cemented house and, 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 and you know, do physical work, you know, like uh, uh, schlepping furniture and stuff like that. It would be a million times easier than than the, the work that I'm supposed to do within myself. And um, But if I try, I try to do as the steps say, it is simple enough. And so... When I get up against the challenge and I have to, um, I do not find a solution and I get into that self-pity mode, I, wor- I pick up that telephone and I say, hi, how are you doing? And somehow, somewhere, I'm going to be able to help another person and that in turn is going to make me feel well and not only well, but it's going to uplift me so that my pain is not so intense. And then if I continue to do that, I find that the pain is less and less and less. This is the design of living. This is the way the work is done. And um, it is so amazing. It is simple, but it is huge, huge, huge. Thank you for letting me share. I pass. Thank you, Leah F. Uh, Sherry KB, please go ahead. Good morning, Kathy. Good morning, everybody. Sherry KB in Northern California. Very grateful, recovered compulsive reader, and thank you so much for your service, Kathy, and everybody on the line. Um, I really appreciate this paragraph because it's talking about the uh, step twelve a lot. And, you know, I talk to a lot of people who will say, God, you guys sound so good on the line. Like, do you guys have any problems at all, really? And I I just sort of laugh because, you know, I think all of us have problems on this line. I don't think we'd be human if we didn't. And, you know, it's just that I have a spiritual toolkit um, that's been laid at my feet that I live in 10, 11, and 12. And I especially think of step 10 because, um, you know, we go through – um, the process of looking at where we're selfish, dishonest, self-seeking, and afraid. And then we ask God to remove those defects of character. And then we, um, you know, if we've done any harm, we uh, make an amends. Or if we even thoughts in our head, we, you know, pray for the situation. But a really important piece that is really important is to resolutely turn my thoughts to help somebody else. Because I personally believe that when something's going on with me, and I do a 10th step, and then I get out of myself. I ask God to remove it, and, you know, I, I make an amends quickly if needed or thoughts in my head. I pray for the situation or the person. I do the sick man's prayer. Um, and then when I resolutely turn my thoughts to help somebody else, I really believe my higher power gets in there and cleans out all the junk, clear, cleans out all that self-pity or that whatever is going on, the resentment, the fear, the judgment, whatever it is. While I'm busy helping somebody else, God gets in there and cleans it out for me. Is what I honestly believe happens, and then I'm free. And I notice that I'm not I'm not in self pity. I'm not in resentment. Um, and I looked up the word self pity, and um, it says um, an unrestrained or excessive dwelling on one's own sorrows or misfortunes. And so you know, I call it going down the rabbit hole. And uh, I notice that I don't stay down there very long, thank God for this program. And, you know, with that, because in rough goings, um, and I also think of uh, page 52 of the bedevilments and also um, on paragraph 1 and 2 on page 133, um, it talks about what to do, how we take care of ourselves. And um, that is so important because this disease, as has been said, it doesn't go away. It's waiting. But the difference is, is being more God-centered and, and living in steps 10, 11, and 12 and working them um, makes a difference to where, yeah, I'm still going to have rough goings, but there is a difference that I know how to handle them now where I didn't know how to handle them before because uh, food was always the answer, and now my higher power is the answer and these steps are the answer. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Sherry KB and Gracie R. Please go ahead. Press star one, Gracie. Hi, this is Gracie R. Can you hear me? I can now. Thank you. Thank you so much. Hi, this is Gracie R. I am, I want to say that I'm a recovered compulsive overeater, but for all the newcomers on the line, I am just another compulsive overeater. 
So let's just get that straight right now. Um, and I say that looking at this paragraph because I think I have a different perspective looking at this paragraph today than maybe I had a few months ago. And as much as I see the importance of step 12, I also see his defects of character so clearly outlined, you know, abandoning himself to work with um, helping other com uh, compulsive alcoholics or I want to say compulsive overeaters. That sounds a lot like my process when I went through the 12 steps and became recovered. Uh, I was so good at abandoning myself. I could abandon myself to men, to food, to situations. And I love that Bill does the same thing. You know, when we look at his story, he constantly abandoned himself to Wall Street, to getting on the motorcycle with his wife and going around country and making money doing that, to golf, to the war, to all of these things. And how I can relate to Bill is I'm constantly that perfectionist thinking if I give 100% of myself to whatever situation, it's going to result in a perfect life. And it doesn't. We're all just compulsive overeaters trying really hard to have this new life directed by God. But this also reminds me of Bill's article on emotional sobriety, where he says, you know, nothing is my higher power, including AA. And as controversial as that sounds, when I recovered in OA, I really thought, okay, this is it. I'm on a cloud of virtuosity. I'm a recovered person. I took on not one, but two sponsees, completely overwhelmed myself. And that was still my character defects at work. I was still trying to be the good girl, trying to do it with absolute perfection, thinking that I was going to reap the rewards of being this good OA girl. And <laughs> it did not work out that way, let's just say that. Um, so much so that I really had to be humbled. But at the end of the day, after you know working the steps and being in a place of recovery and thinking that, okay, well, now I'm recovered from this disease, so my whole life is going to be amazing, and it's not, uh, talking to someone else who's still in the food is the best reminder of where we've come from. And so I really struggle, and I think a lot of us struggle with progress rather than perfection. Um, and maybe we have these really high expectations for, you know, what's supposed to happen once we recover. But if you have neutrality with the food, I mean, that's huge. That's something that, you know, when you talk to people, you know, doing outreach calls or when you hear people on the line, that may be something that they don't have. They're not capable of handling or dealing with their life because they're still in the food. So uh, that's my experience with this, and I appreciate it, and I'll pass. Thank you, Gracie R. Okay, we have time to take about five more people. Who would like to share? Liati D. Hey, Liati D. Pauline. I'm sorry, Pauline, what is your last initial? F. Oh, Paula D. Oh, Paula D and Pauline S. Lisa Reggie O. Lisa, Reggie O. Sandy D. Sandy D. Let me stop there. Lisa, can you give me your last initial? S as in Sam. Okay, great. Thank you. Okay, so we have Leah T. D., Pauline S., Paula D., Lisa S., Reggie O., and Sandy D. And we'll see if that takes us to the end or not. Liat TD, please go ahead. Yes, hi. Good morning, everyone. Thank you, Kathy, for the meeting and everyone on the line. Um, I just love the big book. Um, you know, we got to see how Bill, you know, self-centered to the max, arrived and not, you know, didn't get destroyed, tried to rise up again and then completely defeated by his illness, gets a sudden and profound experience, something I wished for years in the program. You know, all of a sudden he had an overnight transformation. And um, you know, it says, you know, page earlier, it said God comes to most men gradually, but his impact on me was sudden and profound. And for me, it was like, you know, it's like, you know, it sounds like he won the lottery, you know, and I always thought, oh, gosh, if I won the lottery, 
you know, I'll have all the money to fix everything, even my food addiction. You know, I'll have some a chef that comes and cooks for me and feed me only the food that I'm supposed to have. And it's body trainer that will, and the clothes that I want, and I'll travel the world, and everything will be hunky-dory, and I would not have any problems. And guess what? You know, with money, without money, with sobriety, without sobriety, I get to meet Liat. There's no way to run away from Liat. And Liat is egocentric. <laughs> um, self is killing. That's what killed me, self, to begin with. It's not food. It's not, it was never alcohol for him. It was the self-will that killed Bill. And the self-will killed me. And there used to be a doctor that loved the alcoholic. His name was uh, Dr. Thibault. And he studied them after they got sober. And he saw that what happened to them is, is that the ego reconstructs itself after a while. You know, I'm okay. I got, I'm not using alcohol anymore. I'm not eating anymore. You know, and all of a sudden the ego builds up again. And I need to smash it down over and over. Every day, all the time, I need to look at where is my ego attacking me. And uh, and through, you know, thinking about why work with another alcoholic, because when I see the light come up in their eyes, is the most incredible experience that there is. When I see someone's light, you know, when, it, you know, the light is off, and then the light comes up, I mean, there's nothing, there's no money, there's not even my own sobriety that lights me up, then seeing the light come up in someone else who lost it all. So I am so grateful for a solution. I'm so grateful that I get to see that over and over again through other people and have myself the experience of lifted up, being lifted up. And and I love you all. And I just want to say that this weekend in the Bay Area, two ladies from A Vision for You are going to speak in our meeting in Mountain View. So if there's anyone in the Bay Area that wants to come and support these women, please call me. I love you all. Enjoy your day. Thank you, Leah TD. Pauline S., please go ahead. Pauline, press star one. Oh, sorry. I thought I was unmuted. <laughs> okay. Um, can you hear me now? I can. Okay, great. Thank you. So thanks for your um for your service. So the um the phrase that uh jumped out at me this morning was uh, plagued by waves of self pity and resentment. Um uh, I had lots of the, I've been in program for a lot of years and um I'm always amazed at how uh, really, I have today only. Uh, um, a little while back, I uh, uh, I was without a sponsor, and um, I really, you know, wasn't sure what I was doing. And then my mother died, and boy, I those waves of self pity and resentment they they just washed right over me, and I. Uh, I turned back to the food. It's like, well, you know, the heck, heck with that, and and there I was, um, and uh, and once again I saw that uh, I'd wake up in the morning saying, okay, today's going to be different, and it wasn't. I would keep eating, and then the next day I'd, you know, I'd pray, I'd uh, meditate, I'd do all kinds of things. And still, I'd eat. And uh, this disease is really, it's powerful. Uh, As somebody said this morning, it's doing push-ups in the parking lot while I'm on the days that I'm abstinent and recovered. And um, so I'm just uh, very grateful to be in program. And... um, uh, I was at the birthday party in L.A. this weekend and <clears throat> met some amazing people and heard some things I really needed to hear. And um, I'm <clears throat> I'm on day 20 of uh, being absent with my food and feeling very good and 
uh, really willing to do the work that I need to do. So thank you, and with that, I pass. Thank you, Pauline F. Paula D., please go ahead. Press star one, Paula. Well, looks like I'm going to make another introduction here. This is Paula D., recovered by and with the grace of God, thanking you, Kathy, for your service today. And, you know, as we look at this paragraph and as I look at it, oh, the depth of it, and why? How do I do? I identify so. Look at that. He starts out with enthusiasm. You know, sometimes that's how my day starts out, just very enthusiastic to the idea, and that was it, of helping other alcoholics to a solution of their problems. Wow, of course we'd be enthusiastic about that. But, you know, I love, oh, I love the humanness of this man because that's where I'm at. I was not too well at the time. You know what happens when you're not too well? I do. Plagued by waves of self-pity and resentment. And that's it. Waves of. And it and it increases. But look at what happened. It says it nearly. Now watch what happens. The higher power here nearly drove me back to drink. Am I repeating? It's okay. It's okay. But what I want to zero in on, many times I've gone to my old, old hospital in despair. It doesn't matter. It didn't say that he was enthusiastic like the first sentence. In despair, go anyway. Go anyway. That's the part that would stop me. Well, I'll wait. Don't wait. Don't wait till you're enthusiastic. Do it anyway. I will tell you, as soon as you get out of self, something happens that is far bigger than you. I'm talking to a man there. I would be. Now, look, at here we are. He came in How? I was amazingly lifted up and set on my feet. What transpired there? Someone that something meeting on the outer? First, the inner. That's what we see. It is designed for living that works in rough going. And guys, let me tell you, a life of happy, joyous, and free, rough going, sometimes it comes. But you know I'm going to end with here because my time is coming short. And I'm going to go to 181. I am going to read why what Bob, Bill Double, Bob, Dr. Bob said, why he did it. Listen, a sense of duty. It is a pleasure because in so doing, I am paying my debt to the man who took time to pass it on to me one more. Because every time I do it, I take out a little more insurance for myself against a possible slip. Thank you very much for allowing me this time, and with that, I do pass. Thank you, Paula D. Uh, Lisa S., please go ahead. Hello. Thank you. Can I be heard? Yes, you can. Thank you. Oh, my gosh. Thank you, guys, uh, so much for this meeting and this um, study of the big book Um the word I'm going to hone in on is a word that's already been talked about twice, which is enthusiasm. And isn't that weird that three people would talk about one word? No, not really. Um, I was also fortunate enough and um, took responsibility and pushed through the uncomfortableness to go to the birthday party this weekend and spend time in person with this amazing Overeaters Anonymous Fellowship that is truly saving lives. So many lives are being saved more and more every day. And I am enthusiastic about that. I'm enthusiastic about this book. I'm enthusiastic about it because it's a textbook. It's our precise instructions for how to recover, how to, um, by the way, my name is Lisa S. from Colorado. Um, and I am a compulsive eater. And um this is why we're here, is to unpack these words, unpack this book. And I was fortunate enough to spend the weekend doing that and really 
looking at how are we making this text relevant for us in this fellowship? How are we making it relevant for us today? How are we making it relevant for all the different people in all the different ways? Each person shares in a different way and understands in a different way. And we have to keep doing this over and over again because um, of helping others. And as we do this, as we share, we're helping others on the line. If you're out there and you have recently picked up and or you're brand new or you're struggling, um, I'm here to say that this really, really works. I'm amazed before I'm halfway through and I've been through a few times and that's great, right? We keep working these steps. We don't compromise. Um, I know that I can be completely recovered and that there are people out there that need me that, um, and when I help others, when I even simply share on this line, when I am fully recovered, I will be helping others. And that I'm, you know, seeing is immunity. Another word that was unpacked this weekend, we get immunization against that next compulsive bite plague right plague it's a sickness and we can be immunized by working the precise instructions in this book and being of service to others and so um thank you so much visionaries if you're out there and you haven't you know pick up the take notes write down names of people that you identify with that's how i found my step guide and i got on the list and I found her. Um, and there are people that can through this to the other side. Thank you. I'll pass. Thank you very much, Lisa S. Reggie O., please go ahead. Thank you, Kathy. Thanks so much for your service this morning and everyone who's on the line. I'm Reggie O., gratefully recovered in the Los Angeles area. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, this uh, this word has struck me uh this last time going through and this time going through the big book, uh, abandoned, you know, it's like abandoned, you know, and it's like abandoning in, a, in the most positive sense. <clears throat> we abandoned ourselves with enthusiasm. And to me, that means I just, I'm, I'm like wholehearted. I give myself fully to whatever this is that I'm doing. And the enthusiasm is, I guess, a, a, an example of that. And <clears throat> the first time I it struck me uh, was when it was that part in step three where it says, you know, we we thought well before taking this action of, you know, this decision of turning our will and our lives over to God, making sure that we could utterly abandon ourselves to, you know, to him as the big book reads. And I thought, wow. And I, I really had to stop. I really had to stop and and, and take hold of that because I, I, I thought, can't you know can can I do that? Is that possible for me? Am I ready to utterly abandon myself? you know, and even in this abandoning myself with enth- myself with enthusiasm and what i had you know what I had to come to in both cases is that uh yes, I am ready, and yes, that is my deepest desire and i so yes, I say yes, but I'm not always perfect there I'm not always perfect, but that you know and then um this uh, waves of self-pity and resentment nearly drove me back to drink. But when all other measures failed, work with another alcoholic would save the day. And years ago when I was studying, not the big book, but some other books, there was this psychiatrist that said, wrote that if you would, if you're depressed, if you would, um, if you would do something for someone else every day for 30 days without letting them know, uh, your depression would be lifted. And I thought that was the most amazing thing. I could never get there. I would try it for like two or three days, but I could never, you know, never get to the 30 days. But, you know, what he was speaking of, even though he didn't say it, is that, you know, is that we is doing service uh, in a self-giving way, you know, rather than a self-centered way, because you know, as, as we learn here, you know, the spiritual malady, which the recovery from is the answer to uh, the the spiritual awakenings, our spiritual malady, mine, is self-centeredness, you know, and um, and so when I when I can move away from that self-centeredness by what this sounds like a very counterintuitive thing to do, you know, being plagued by waves of self-pity and resentment, but yet I 
found that when I go call someone else and see how I can be of service, how I can help them, that that is lifted. That seems and sounds counterintuitive, but I guess miracles might seem that way sometimes because, you know, it is lifted and I have experienced that. And, um, and I've experienced many miracles in this program and miracles are sometimes counterintuitive. You know, we do the work, we have a program, we have a plan of action. This is step 12 in action. And when we do that action, what we can't do actually occurs. And that's the miracle that, that, that God provides. So, um, yeah. And it is a design for living that works in, in rough going. And just what uh, somebody said, one page 133 addressed that earlier. And I went there and read it and it says, You know, uh, if trouble comes, we cheerfully capitalize it as an opportunity to demonstrate God's omnipotence. So when trouble comes, you know, it's like it's not always easy to think that right away, but this is an opportunity for me to do something different. It's an opportunity for me to, you know, not go down the rabbit hole of self-pity, but to actually have a, perhaps have a, you know, something spiritual happen, that I do some spiritual growth here. So a beautiful a beautiful uh it's just a beautiful design and very grateful that i've been blessed to have it presented in my life and have you all to study it with on a regular basis and and do that live this way of life and with that i'll pass thank you reggie oh uh sandy d we only have about a minute and a half can you take a short share sandy Hello. Yes, I I will try to make it short. Uh, This is Sandy D. from Illinois and um, grateful recovering compulsive overeater. Uh, I actually came in in August and um, I like to think of it as the recovered fellows held the door open for me. So now my job is to hold the door open for others. Uh, you know, I was such a desperate mess. I could barely crawl on my knees in the door, but I've managed to make it through and uh, am ready to sponsor now. It's just an amazing journey. I'm so grateful. Um, everything is just amazing. Thank you so much. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Sandy D. Okay, thank you so much, everyone. It's time to close the meeting now, and I really appreciate everyone's shares, everyone who is listening. We'll now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, and I will ask Sherry KB to read A Vision for You. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit. And you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.